Hello, and welcome back to Now Screaming, episode 86. I'm Evan Culbertson. And I'm Liz Smart. And we're watching all the horror movies currently available for streaming on the internet. So you don't have to. This week, we're talking about the 2016 film, Cresha. Cresha. Which was written and directed by Trey Edward Schultz. Of It Comes at Night. Yes, which we covered on episode 77 of this podcast, so fairly recently. And he directed Waves, which we saw last year. Correct. I think we probably talked about it on the It Comes at Night episode. That sounds about right. <laughs> this movie is not really a horror movie. No, I was going to say, would you recommend it for other movie-watching purposes? Complicated. <laughs> I think that if you are someone who appreciates a, a good family drama that's shot like a horror movie, mm-hmm. that's exactly what this is. Yeah. If you want a scare or a spook or something, I actually think this is a really terrible fit for October when, you know, we all in this community are really looking for Halloween-y and horror movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's not what this has to offer. No. Uh, it's anxiety-inducing, not horrifying. Absolutely. And I think outside of that context, I can appreciate this movie more. I don't have a lot of complaints about this movie, other than I was really let down by it not being a horror movie. Yeah, because It Comes at Night has similar vibes of anxiety and interpersonal relationships and family, but it is undeniably a horror movie because, you know, the paranoia reaches a a fatal level, you know, which does not happen here in terms of, like, consequences. And there's the explicit implication of monsters monsters. or something out there. It whatever it comes and it is. I mean, even even setting that aside, they're in a post-apocalyptic scenario. Yeah. Right. This is, I would compare this, it's very similar to Waves, though without all of Waves' stylistic flourishes. Yes. Waves is a very showy movie. Yeah. And I think I did say about Waves that there is a part that is so stressful and horrifying that it does sort of feel like a horror movie. But it's it's the same thing we talked about before of like having horror elements versus being a horror movie. Yeah, absolutely. This it's just a family drama. It's about yeah. a, a woman who comes to spend time with her family for Thanksgiving. So really, we should have done it next month. Yeah, <laughs> this is a Thanksgiving movie, and she hasn't seen them in quite a long time. An and it's amount her, of time. Yeah, her re meeting and spending time with these people for the first time, and she has various issues, and there's a complicated history. That's what this movie's about. There's yeah. no there's no murder. Nope. There's no there's no terror. There's no No mask killer comes to kill no them all. Monsters. <laughs> like there's nothing more to it than this woman is having a very difficult time reintegrating herself into her family, who are having a hard time forgiving her because of her the her past and she has substance abuse issues that she is struggling to cope with the normalcy of family life. Mm-hmm. That's, that's how it. that's how I would summarize this movie. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I have a couple things about it that I feel like qualify in a horror sense. Sure. Um, again, horror elements in a movie that is not a horror movie. But they they did remind me of other horror movie concepts and ideas, filmmaking ideas. Well, yeah, that's something worth saying. Like, like I said at the beginning, it's a it's a drama that's shot like a horror movie. Yes, and I, it's scored like a horror movie. Right? The score. Talk yes, about. I, well, I was going to talk about the 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 shot shots in the, the way that it's filmed um, a little bit in the beginning because I do love there's a very extended opening sequence where she gets out of her car and goes to the wrong house and then she goes to the right she's dragging her suitcase with her and she's stepping in puddles and dog shit yeah. and all this kind of other stuff and she, one I thought immediately that I was like this woman feels very familiar to me I feel like I know a lot of old women like this um, 
But that the way that the camera is following her, it's like it's stalking her. Yeah. Um, so there is that feeling immediately of like kind of threatening um, that we see in other movies about stalking. Like, you know, a movie like It Follows. Um, we have that kind of same feel. And also that there's a moment a little bit later on when she like she meets everybody. It's really pleasant and really lovely. Everybody seems very excited to see her. Mm-hmm. Even like there's like young people who have never met her. They, they met her when they were babies. They, they're, they're really meeting her for the first time. But it's very sweet. And then she meets someone who she clearly has a more complicated history. We don't know yet who it is, although we do know that it's director Trey Richards. Yes. Um, the kicker's name is Trey. Yeah. The, I mean, all of them have their same names. The woman who plays Krisha's name is Krisha. Um, and she is his aunt talk- in real life. Yeah. Um, but there's a moment where she's she's got this big, bright smile on. She's so happy. And the camera is still. And then she turns away and heads back towards the door. And her kind of veneer breaks. And the camera literally just goes like, er, and goes completely disjointed. And it's very much a, like, camera reflecting the inner thoughts of the protagonist, which I think I've seen in, like, used in horror before. Yeah, I'm going to say this, and it's not a criticism, though it's easily read as one. Trevor Schultz is a very gimmicky director. He likes to literalize, uh, like you said, emotions and feelings by doing camera tricks, by playing with aspect ratios to to incite claustrophobia. Oh, I forgot that's why I wrote, yeah, this is Trey, all right, was my first note because of the aspect ratio change. Yeah. Like and and like you said, the Dutch angles. Like mm-hmm. that is that is the way that he communicates. And again, that's not a criticism. I like gimmickry. I do too. And I think that it works pretty well in this movie in particular because I think this is a fairly restrained movie. Uh, I mean, we, we already told you the whole fucking plot. Basically, it, it's restrained emotionally, and so therefore, it can amplify those fairly straightforward emotions and interactions with camera trickery. Mm-hmm. Waves, a movie I like is doing way too much in plot yes. and also stylistically. Yeah. And therefore it is an overwhelming watching experience. This, and it comes at night, which, you know, both, neither of us were like passionate, overwhelmed yeah. by Like we didn't love it. No, I think shows a more restrained, uh, approach, which is crazy. Cause again, there are, there are full of gimmicks, Yeah, but compared to waves, I guess, which again, is this most recent film. It's hard to, to not read this. And it comes at night as building towards, Waves. Waves. Absolutely. And I think this is like, I wrote this down. I'm very fascinated by this question that I think we've talked a lot about what makes horror before. Um, Cause it's always a, always a question, right? What's, what's horror? What's a psychological thriller? What's a thriller? What's a mystery? How, where, where does horror fall into all of this? And how so often you and I are like, no, no, it's horror. Like, just stop trying to stop trying to couch it and make mm-hmm. it something else. It's good. It can be horror. Horror does not just mean pulp. Yeah. And what I feel like we've landed on in the times where we, I think in doing this podcast, we've encountered a lot of things where we're like, no, it's actually, it's, it's not horror. That was not, that was not horror. Even though it's, you know, categorized as horror on Netflix or Amazon Prime or whatever, some things just actually aren't horror. Yeah. And I think that what we always sort of land on of like, what is horror is that it has to involve fear. Yeah. And that fear must be present in some way. You as the audience member don't have to be scared. But, but if the characters be, are... The character has to be scared, or it has to just be kind of about fear in some way. Inspiring fear, or running from fear, or embracing fear, or whatever those might be. Yeah. And I think that fear 
has no place in this movie, but anxiety does. Yeah. And I feel, and that's also true if it comes at night. I don't remember if I was, if there was, I mean, I guess there's a sense of fear and it comes at night because they are afraid of the itch that is coming at night, but paranoia and anxiety feel like more what that movie's about. Right. Um, because I mean, it's what we're all experiencing now, right? It's like, it's, it's illness. It's like, that's what inspires and you not fear, but also like distrust. And there's a lot of that in this movie as well. Anxiety and distrust and paranoia. And I found this movie unbelievably, I don't want to say unpleasant, but I was made so anxious. Yeah. And in kind of similar ways as to how I'm anxious at horror movies, one of the ways I'll say that I was very anxious was that she's, um, one of the other things that she wants to do here is not just reconnect with her family. She wants to cook Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah. So she comes into this with like, not only am I going to meet all these people again, but I want to take on a lot of responsibility, which I think anyone would tell you is a terrible idea. Ease in, Krisha. Like, you do not need yeah. to come for the first time and do everything, which is what she tries to do. So there's a whole scene where she is chopping and uh, mixing with her hands and stuffing the turkey and doing all of these things. And it is so awful to watch. She's just cooking. Right. It's not yeah. like it's not it shouldn't be anything horrifying. But to me, it was horrifying, just like how visceral it was and very physical and just gross in a way that felt similar to how when you watch a horror movie and someone's doing something gross with like organs or something like it was akin to that feeling for me. And not only that, but the whole family, it's really well done the way that this family is oriented and how they're all acting. I mean, I think like a lot of them actually are family members. I want to interrupt you just as to mention for the listener that like, this is a big family. There's yes. what, 12, a large gathering, yeah. 15 people. Probably, like this yeah. is a very large, it's multiple, um, cousins and, and, and lots of people are married and there's a baby yeah. and like, there's just lots, a lot going on. And it's, I, I found it to be very male dominated. Yeah. I would agree. Um, if not in actual numbers, that's just how it comes across. Because there's a lot the of twenty-something men, 20 something men yeah, rough housing in the rough yard, rough housing and wrestling, arm wrestling, watching football, watching like, football, yelling at the TV. The dad, whenever Krishna like, takes a break to go smoke a cigarette, she talks to her brother-in-law, and he is painfully like abrasive and brash and loud and rude. And so, just like every moment that I was watching this bit where she is cooking and she's trying so hard to keep it together. I was just like so unbelievably stressed out because of, and maybe that's just a really personal feeling of like, no, no, if no. I was cooking in this house. I would be like, shut up. Yeah. No, I think that, I think that that's, that's the thing that this film does. That's so effective. Right. Is that when I say that it's not a horror movie, I'm not saying that like it is from a different category and it's been placed here by mistake. This is using the tools and emotions, like you said, that, that inspires yeah. in the viewer of a horror film. It's just not actually doing anything with fear, right. like you said. Like, it's anxiety-inducing in the same way that, like, Uncut Gems is, right? But yeah. no one would call Uncut Gems a horror movie, a horror, even though yeah, everyone yeah. who saw it was like, this is the most stressful movie I've ever seen. Yeah. Right? It's very clearly not a horror movie. I would compare this more to that, which is just that's like... Very, that's a very good comparison. Yeah, yeah. It's just a very stressful movie to watch these people who are doing a, quite a good job in, in acting, especially for some of them being amateur the way that they are, at conveying these extremely emotionally fraught situations. Yes. I think we should talk about the the main points of conflict, because we're not going to walk through this, because we've we've literally already recapped the plot. Yeah. The the main problem here is that Krisha is recovering from substance abuse. Uh, she is 
told her family that she is sober. We see her sneak off to the bathroom and do drugs a couple times. She is not sober, and she drinks a whole bottle of wine by herself in the bathroom at one point. Well, this is like what, what, she, what she... I feel. Do, do you think she comes to the weekend intending to do those things? No, I think she's overwhelmed and she yeah. relapses. But I don't know that she was... I don't know how long she had been sober, right? I don't know that, like... There is no great inciting incident that causes her to start doing drugs in the bathroom. No. She just gets overwhelmed uh, emotionally. I would say, actually, I think that with the inciting incident is that she tries to connect with Trey, and it doesn't go well. Not in, that's not an inciting incident. I think that is what pushes her to do I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. I think that that is uh, relatively mundane. That's not a criticism, but that's not like... It's not like... The thing that happens sort of at the centerpiece of this movie, or, or mid-second act, is that she drops the turkey, right? Oh, God. She so is awful. so drunk and fucked up that she takes the turkey out of the oven and it just clatters it's shot so well it is the best one of the best shots in the whole movie it's so good if that had happened then you would understand why she goes and drinks herself to oblivion in the bathroom right there's nothing like that it's just and i'm talking just about the visceral just like interactions it's just emotional it's just she she feels bad and she does drugs and that's a really terribly normal you know way for this to unfold uh, I think I kind of disagree with you a little bit. I don't want to have a long argument about sure, it, but I, I think that you are under under appreciating just how devastating it would be for her to come into this house, feel forgiven by mostly everybody, and feel very like I've done my I've done the work. I've really worked hard. I should be able to have a conversation with my son and have him forgive me. And then he blatantly doesn't, and he in fact gets up and leaves the conversation abruptly and without there being any catharsis, I think that is an incident. It's not, I would not consider it as the the same as all the other things of like, I'm just overwhelmed and there's a lot of dogs barking and my sister is, has gone to pick up my mother and her mother doesn't recognize her. Like those all feel kind of like, these are all horrible things. The interaction with Trey did specifically feel like an impetus to go do drugs. Okay. Fair enough. After she... Drops the turkey. That's the main... That's the main... Yes. This movie doesn't have a lot of plot. Uh, no. That's one of the main things that happens. She goes away. Everyone's like, you said you were sober. How could this happen? She calls her ex and yells at him on a voicemail for a while. Which she's called him periodically and he's yeah. supposed to be there for her to get her through this and he's not. Then she goes and confronts the family who has... They're sitting at the table. They're trying to make their way through the rest of this dinner and confronts Trey and is like, I'm your mother, you should stop treating my sister like your mother. Like, you need to acknowledge me, respect me, you know, you, you can't shut me out like this. Yeah. And the family is screaming and just a lot Drag of, her away. A lot of yelling. Uh, and then the zooms in on her face and that's the end of the movie. Yeah. Right? There is no catharsis or resolution for... No. Not just, like, from an emotional point of view, because that's normal. There's literally not a plot. Like, this night doesn't end. This film cuts off before everyone has to go home. Yeah. You know? Because uh, she does have a slight one with her sister, because she actually does that twice. She comes down, she tries to be really normal about it, and she's just kind of standing at the table, like, oh, how's everybody doing? Like, you guys having a nice dinner? Like, I just want to be part of it with you guys, want to be here. And her sister kind of takes her away and is like, why are you doing this? Well, You're... she yells at her, yeah. Yeah, she yells at her, but then they have, like, a good conversation of, like... It's a pretty one-sided conversation. Sure, it's her sister ranting at her a little bit, but, like... That feels like, okay, if the movie ended there, there'd be some sense of catharsis, but she learns nothing and just marches back in 20 and minutes later and and screams at Trey, tell me that you love me. Um, so yeah, I think that you're, you're totally right. It's like, it, it ends extremely abruptly and with no 
feelings of resolution on anyone's side. Yeah. Except that she's not going to be invited back next year. <laughs> right. For sure. One of the things I want to mention is that this film was, well, first of all, it was crowdfunded through Kickstarter and then ended up making it to A24, who distributed it, which is pretty successful uh, journey there. Yeah. But uh, was made with a bunch of members of Tranwood Schultz's family. The titular Krisha is his actual aunt. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trey Edward Schultz himself plays Trey. And there's a scene in the middle where uh, Krisha tells Trey what a great filmmaker he's going to be, yeah. which felt a little myopic <laughs> to me. Yeah. That it's just like... Because he's like going to not do film anymore. And she's like, no, but you're so talented. <laughs> We're yeah, like, a, it's oh, okay. <laughs> the whole scene, the scene where Trey ends up like leaving it because he doesn't want to have this conversation is about what a wonderful, talented person Trey Edward Schultz yeah, is. How he should go to film school. And... Which is kind of silly. Yeah. And, you know, uh, that like took me out of it a little bit. But I think that, like, I mean, like, this was filmed in, in Trader Schultz's parents' house, right? Like, there is this very intimate element to it that I think works really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not all of these actors are his family. There are actors in this movie, but a few of them are. And I think that you have to have the intimate, you don't have to hire your family, but you have to have the intimacy that this movie has for the emotional beats to work. I agree. This movie could be really flat. This movie could, like, just be... Any other old family drama, Yeah, yeah. And it's not just the filmmaking, but it's also the the chemistry between the performers that I think makes this work. Uh, it's the glue that holds this together. Yeah. Well, it doesn't feel Hollywoody or actory. Agreed. It feels extremely natural and real. Yeah, and I think that's that's very much to this movie's credit. Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, last thing I really want to mention. Uh, there's not a lot to talk about this movie, but this is probably one of my favorite things about it is the score and music. Yes. Um, it is. It really adds to what we've already talked about of just the anxiety because there's a lot. It's it it doesn't come across very musical. It's quite uh. It blends with the noise of the house and the noise of the cooking. It's a lot of it just feels a lot like noise, and so it's just another kind of like layer on top of this stressful layer where you're like, not really recognizing like what what is happening in reality and what's happening in the world of the movie and it's just it works really well in just throwing you off completely and making you feel uh out of sorts and upset yeah it's by brian mccomber who is a uh, drummer and it is a i think it's very, it's very percussive it's very percussive it's a lot of i mean like it's like clinks and like taps, taps. yes yeah it's very it's very percussive clinks is exactly what it, it also like. like to your point i think that it is the thing that makes me understand why people mistake this for a horror film. Yeah. Right. Without the score that it has, if it had a more, if it had no score or if it had a more traditional orchestral score, right? Like strings or even just like piano or synth. Yeah. Well, very like um, what waves is like, right. Well, waves is very heavily soundtracked. Yes. Uh, This would be, I don't think anyone would mistake it for a horror film. No. Right. The sounds that you hear in this movie sound like i mean frankly like i've i've heard in very few films right and it's a very very strong score it's a very unique mm-hmm. score i don't know i'm, I'm really interested in brian Gobber. i don't remember the score from it comes at night off the top Me of my head right now i wonder if we talked about it in the episode maybe we we when we were closer to it we felt it because he also did that he did blow the man down which came out earlier this year mm-hmm. and a few other things but i'm interested in more of of the film scoring that he will continue to do because it really is Honestly, like in two months, it might be the thing I remember most from this movie. A hundred percent. There's know? also a really great bit um, in the in the movie once she's kind of relapsed, and she's staggering around the house trying to cook, and there's this like very loud like jazz song playing. Yeah. And it 
it really contributes to that feeling when you're too drunk and you're trying to like do a task and you're just like, it's just the worst feeling in the whole world that you're like, I am fucking this up. Or you're like, I'm doing great and you're not, (laughs) you know, like it's just this whole, and like the jazz, the jazz song they chose really adds to that feeling of just like, I think honestly horror there, that there's something about that that just is horrible of just this feeling of like, everything's too loud and too much and I'm failing myself and my family. And it's just, it was very evocative. I agree. Not to be, I'm going to take a moment and be a little too in the weeds about like a 24 horror, you know, sorry. I think that Trey Richelts right now is closer to a Robert Eggers who did the witch and the lighthouse Mm -hmm. than he is to an Ari Aster. Agreed. I think that Trey Richelts is so effective at disorientation and at creating such discomfort and and unsettling the viewer that I want him to lean into horror so much harder. I agree. I don't want him to get away from it. I want him to really embrace the way that Ari Aster makes like bona fide straight up bananas. Straight up horror movies, movies, right? Like uh, And also plays with anxiety. Yeah. In a way that I have always felt that I'm like, oh my God, he is traumatizing me right now with the realities of life. Yeah. And I want and Trade Richards could do that so well. He understands the horror of the reality of life. So lean into that and make actual horror. Absolutely. And I think Ari Aster stylistically is influenced more by like directors of the 60s and 70s, right? Like mm-hmm. Ari Aster's a big Ingmar Bergman nut. The the flourishes that Trey Edward Schultz brings in his directorial style, I think, honestly, like even lend themselves more to like modern horror audiences. And I mean that by like, mm-hmm. like the multiplex whenever we get back into a fucking multiplex. <laughs> like those audiences, yes. I think, would go nuts for the ways that he unsettles you as a viewer. And he hasn't well, had the reason like, that people the big don't hit. like the end of Hereditary, right? They exactly. actually want this. They want to just be really upset and unsettled and unhappy and not necessarily be like, and here's the demon Paimon, you know? Like No, he but he needs a killer with a knife, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Exactly. He needs like it comes at night. Again, also for the But well actually received. show us the monster. Yeah. Like give us give us the visceral horror thrill of that. And I think that I really do think that he could be like a big director. I agree. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Again, we're very biased. We want horror films. Right. We want, like, we ravenously <laughs> consume horror films. Obviously, we want these directors to use their talents for horror. Mm-hmm. But I really think Trey Edward Schultz... Again, he's made three films that I, like... Like. Like. like I like all of the films to varying degrees. I think that he has a great horror film in him. I agree. That I, I, I just feel like he's holding back on us. I agree. You know, give it to us. No, completely. Yeah. Are you ready to... Drop this Thanksgiving turkey. Oh, God. It's so awful. Yes. No roulette this week. No, because we've already we've already decided and announced that our next episode uh, is going to be Freddy vs. Jason. Yes, it will. Which, as of right now, as of this recording, is not available on any streaming services. Oops. For which I deeply apologize. <laughs> it's one of those things where, again, when we rolled this, it was... It was. And now we, we always planned it for October, and now it's gone. And that's... Maybe it'll be back before October 27th. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, is that as of this recording... Maybe. But who knows? It'll come back in two weeks. But we'll be talking about that as our next main episode. And in the meantime, next week we'll have some recent screams for you. Yeah. If you want to watch 12 Hour Shift, which again is on digital and VOD, before our next episode, we'll be talking about it in depth there. And spo- yeah, spoiling it. And spoiling so it. You should, you should watch it if you don't want to be spoiled, or I guess just don't listen. But you should watch it, because it's very fun. Right. Absolutely recommend. Until then, though, you can check us out on our website, nowscreaming.com. And on Twitter and Facebook at Now Screaming. 
Leave us a like, a rating, a subscription, a review. Please rate, review, subscribe. And talk to us on Twitter, as we always say. We love it. I love to talk on Twitter. It's like my favorite thing about like the social media aspect of this podcast is that other people like tweet ideas and thoughts at us. Yeah. I know we beat this dead horse every every week no, we say but talk like, to us. It do rules. it. I want it. I love seeing notifications. Engage. <laughs> that makes it sound so cynical. I just like talking to you guys. Yeah. Like I love hearing from the like people in the yeah. horror community. Yeah, me too. It's not for engagement numbers. Well, it's not for numbers. It's for my brain. I love to engage. I love to be engaged with. Give us attention. <laughs> I love attention. <laughs> Thank you, as always, to Wes Craven and to Ari Aster for making unabashed horror movies. That... Real ass horror movies that no one would ever go, is it really a horror movie? Actually, probably people will probably do that with Hereditary. What I'm sure about? people do that. Ugh. It's elevated horror or whatever. Me, me, me. Thanks for throwing horror. demons and... Uh, psychedelic Cults. ritual murders yeah. into your movies so that nobody can nobody should nobody should <laughs> you know what's out yep all right until next time everybody stay, stay spooky, spooky.